Welcome to Destination DIY. I'm Julie Sabatier. Destination DIY producer Jamie Cuddy is really into bees. There are nurse bees and guard bees and later in life, foragers. And naturally, the queen has attendants. They're so organized. Everyone has a job. Newborn bees begin life as janitors, cleaning out their own cells. The way these insects communicate through wiggle dance and work together like a community, it makes me giddy. We've talked to quite a few backyard farmers on the show, but urban beekeeping is still up and coming here in Portland, Oregon. More and more people are applying for permits, and plenty of people are flying below the radar with unpermitted backyard beehives. And even though the practice has been around for more than 4,000 years, there are some new innovations in the world of beekeeping. I just want to say I really like being here. It's, it always makes me feel good, and I think Glenn has the same feeling. It's, it's just fun. Meet Tim Wessels and his business partner, Glenn Andreessen. Together, they operate Bridgetown Bees. This is the heart of our project right here, and so it's, it's interesting to see the bees, and especially since they're doing well right now. We have what the early results of our brood pattern and everything is, looks beautiful. Amen. The epicenter of their project is the bee breeding yard. It's tucked away on a hillside. Dozens of brightly colored hives pop out from overgrown brush. When I visited them in the late summer, the bees were irritable and anxious. They were at the tail end of sunny foraging season and a long, damp, chilly winter was coming. I was pretty irritable about that myself. Queen bees in Portland are typically shipped from California or Hawaii. And according to Glenn Andreessen, odds are poor that bees hailing from warmer climates will live through a Pacific Northwest winter. Portland Urban Beekeepers did a survey to see what percent of colonies were lost from the urban beekeepers. Those that filled out the survey, the number was 42% of the colonies were lost over winter. That's a hit. But the grumpy queens in this mating yard will survive the winter if Glenn and Tim are successful. They're attempting to breed queen bees that are region-specific. That means they're selecting colonies with queens that have already survived at least one Portland winter, so they're more likely to be resistant to pests and diseases. Well, nothing in our past experience taught us how to breed bees, and the thing that qualified us to breed these bees is that we were just losing dozens of colonies, and it's expensive to replace them, and it's a waste of resources. Some people get attached to their bees, Glenn is a longtime beekeeper and all-around Renaissance man. 25 years ago, he had no clue that bees would play a leading role in his story. I started beekeeping in about 1992 or 1991 when a friend who was in his 70s asked if I might be interested in taking over his two-colony operation. And I contemplated it for about five minutes, and it changed the course of my life. Today, he keeps more than 60 colonies. I can relate. I'm not a beekeeper, but I'm pretty geeked on bees myself. Tell them about the business idea, Jamie. It's called Beekeeper for a Day. I won't get into specifics because I don't want anyone to steal it, but I can tell you that I have visions of wearing bees like jewelry. And since I went to bee school, I've been dreaming of bees buzzing in my ears, meaning that these winged, stinging insects are lodged in my ears, vibrating my whole head. All right, wait, wait, wait. Back up. B-School? That's where I met my comrades in bee nerdiness. Matt Reed teaches B-School. He owns Bee Thinking, a beekeeping supply store in Portland. Matt let me crash his class of about 40 curious and budding beekeepers. Ken Matley is a longtime fan of bees. 
Oh, I can remember writing a book report in the fifth grade on a book about bees. I just moved to Portland, and I'm seeing people having beehives in their backyards, and uh, thinking, well, maybe it's time to fulfill a lifelong fantasy of keeping bees. Patty Brown is a gardener. She wants to learn how to be a good bee steward. They've had some challenges with the environment, things introduced to the environment, and so that they do need beekeepers to keep them alive and, and happy. My name is Ina Kuzmenek, and I came here to learn about bees and how to um, start my, my own hive. Um, I want to do it because uh, my grandmother actually is a beekeeper. Matt Reed understands the power of bees. He actually abandoned a stable career in the tech industry to open his beekeeping store. Matt looks like a fresh-faced farmer wearing Buddy Holly glasses. He started his business, Bee Thinking, after a magical encounter with a bee. I walked into the kitchen and I noticed a honeybee on the windowsill. I saw she was alive, uh, but she wasn't doing very well. So I didn't know much about honeybees other than that they, they stung, they made honey, and lived in colonies. And so I grabbed a plate, I warmed it up, thinking that they're and she's an insect, so she's probably cold-blooded, basically. I uh, warmed up the plate and then pushed her onto it, and then I got some honey and put it on the plate. And then I watched as she ran for the honey and started drinking and uh, gaining energy. And then I took her out to the front porch, and she flew away. And I was very proud. I ran inside, told my wife. She thought I was crazy. Pretty soon, a bunch of honeybees showed up at Matt's door. He thinks it's because that one that he rescued told the others about the food source. He was hooked. You've probably heard that the bees are in trouble. They're disappearing by the millions because of the mysterious colony collapse disorder. It continues to be a controversial diagnosis, but beekeepers have narrowed the causes to pesticide poisoning and parasite infestations. Matt Reed suggests that novice beekeepers also overdiagnose the disorder when their bees don't survive a winter. There's a lot of new beekeepers, and uh, most of them are very concerned about their bees and they assume that if their colony dies, it was colony collapse disorder. Well, honeybees have been around for millions of years. They have a lot of different pests and diseases that affect them. And it's probably not the worst case scenario. It's probably one of these other things that killed them. They're fascinating, um, and they're important to our food chain. Gordy Molitor's reasons for beekeeping are steeped in philosophy and food politics. I don't know what the percentage is, but a high percentage of our food products come from plants that have to be pollinated um, by bees. So the fact that they're under threat is a threat to our food chain. Gordy is new to beekeeping in the Pacific Northwest. He's dabbled in small-time commercial beekeeping in Asia and Africa. He traveled the world working with CARE, an international relief organization. We even had, when I was working with CARE in India, a beekeeping project where we worked with some tribal groups on beekeeping. Well, in India, it was a small income-generating project, mostly for women. With a million-year track record of making honey, it's fair to question whether bees need beekeepers. They're kind of like cats, domesticated, but only to a certain extent. They can live in the wild or in the spaces that humans provide. And unlike cats, bees will actually give back in the form of their sweet, sweet honey. Matt finds freedom in this notion that bees will keep doing what they do, regardless of human intervention. Yeah, the great thing about beekeeping is it, it seems to cater to tinkers. I think there's a lot of people that get into beekeeping, uh, partially for the bees, but also because they want to make 
some new contraption to keep bees in. You can uh, add all the bells and whistles to your hive that you want. And again, the bees probably don't care, but uh, you may have the coolest hive on the block. From raising their own queens to keeping their hives spotless and running a serious operation with products like honey and wax, it seems like the bees are the true DIYers. Some people are just compelled to watch them work. Thanks for tuning in to Destination DIY. I'm Julie Sabatier. This month's episode was produced by our own Jamie Cuddy, with a little help from me and from engineer Brian Kramer. Gray Ann created the Destination DIY theme song. In this episode, you also heard music composed and performed by Jason Leonard. We get legal help from Cole Haver. Support for Destination DIY comes from Leanne Locker & Associates, crafting strategic arts and letters for good. More information is at leannlocker.com. And we couldn't do what we do without the support of our awesome listeners, like Jolie Griffin and Jane Anow. Take it away, Jane. Hey, this is Jane Anow in Seattle, Washington. The Destination DIY podcast is available all sorts of places, like iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and of course on destinationdiy.org. Their website's got photos, audio archives, and web-only content you can browse. The Destination DIY team is on Twitter and Facebook, too. Just search for Destination DIY. And it's not too late to support the show like I did. Just look for the Please Donate link on DestinationDIY.org. From one listener to another, thanks for tuning in. D-I-Y